Hello, Southside. We're in our third week about the Bible and how to use it, what it's all about. We've broken it down. Two verses in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we've spent three weeks on. Week one was the Bible, it's a reliable foundation. Week two, for you, the Bible is for life change. And then today, I want you to understand that the Bible completes you and it puts you to work for others. Let's read the passage together. Follow along with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. My big idea is simple. The Bible completes you and it equips you to do good works. Now, I want to recap a little bit. We talked about how trustworthy and how against all odds the Bible came together over 1,500 years and dozens and dozens of authors all pointed at Jesus Christ. And then last week, we got into what it's for in our personal lives and how we need to know our doctrine and how sometimes it's okay if the Bible hurts uh, or, or, or heals as long as it's helping us become more like Jesus. And then this week, uh, it's kind of started last week with training. We talked about being trained for righteousness, the Greek word paideon, discipline, instruction, preparation. Well, what is the Bible training us for? It's training us for a few things in verse 17, to be made complete, to be equipped, and to be doers of good works. Now, there's a lot of debate about what makes one a Christian, what Christians do, what Christians say and believe and participate in and don't participate in. There's a lot of debate about how a Christian should respond to the very crisis that's in our culture at this moment. We get an answer here in what it means to be a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are to figure out their Bibles, flesh out that truth, and then live out those truths that the Bible reveals to us. The Bible completes you and it equips you to do good works. Now the first thought that it gives us in verse 17 is that the man or woman of God may be made complete. We're really getting into the Greek in this series. The Greek for this word is artios, fitted, ready, fresh, perfect. Okay, that last one's going to keep some of you up at night. I can already see and hear the wheels turning. But the thought behind this Greek word artios is thought to be perfect or perfectly suitable. That the person of God might be perfect, fully formed, complete that the word of God exists to transform me from where I am to what I'm supposed to be, all in the service of others. Your faith is not private. Your pursuit of perfection is not to lord it over others in judgment, but instead that pursuit of completion is to the Lord towards good works for others. A little bit more on what it means to be complete in other scriptures. Philippians 1.6 says, I am sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Over in 1 Thessalonians 5, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. James 1.4 tells us, let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. 
Now, I know this is causing you some grief because we all know we're not perfect. This is not some strange new teaching about constant, um, unashamed holiness at all times. This is not at odds with the doctrine of grace or the reality of the fact that we still often sin. Completeness is a matter of our fitness to serve and our heart in attaining Christ-likeness. One can still flounder and falter. One can still both wonder and wander. As long as your heart and your trajectory is towards Christ-likeness. Just as perfection in physical fitness is unattainable, somewhat subjective, and in a lot of ways an indefinable, unrealistic goal, so is spiritual completeness this side of heaven. It's judged by God, not by others. And it's for him, about him, toward him. Now let's move on to the other goal of this scripture. Being equipped. We're to be made complete and we're to be equipped. Beautiful Greek word. Beautiful, long, complicated Greek word for equipped. Exertismenos. Exertismenos. Thoroughly furnished, fully equipped. We are to be made complete and in our building up and our edifying to do the work of ministry, we are exertismenos, thoroughly furnished, fully equipped. This shows me that the word of God, remember 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is all about how the word of God is doing this in our lives. The word of God has everything we need for life and godliness. Some other instances in Colossians 3, if we want to have that rich and full Holy Spirit life, we're challenged in Colossians 3.16 to let the word of Christ then dwell richly in us. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Think about this. In your hands, on your phones, in app form, you've got it all from God through his word. Next, and this is kind of subtle as we dig into the language of the scripture, the tense of this Greek word for equipped has this feel, having been equipped or having been thoroughly furnished. Meaning that through scripture, you have already been equipped, supplied, furnished. You don't have to wait for just the right class, just the right sermon, just the right experience, just the right pastor or teacher. God's word on its own has everything you need. Now, sometimes we need help understanding it and applying it. But in our hands and in our hearts, the word of God has supplied to us everything we need, having already been thoroughly supplied, equipped, furnished. Now, imagine you've been given a sweet house on an amazing piece of property. It's the one you've always dreamed of. It's way beyond what you could afford or what you might even let yourself dream of. But someone has decided in their love and forbearance to just give it to you. It sounds pretty good. And the only catch is 
you have to promise to live there. You can't just turn it around, sell it, make a bunch of money. It needs to be your home. Great deal, right? But here's the catch. Another catch. That means you got to pay for things like property taxes and insurance and even the things you need to thoroughly furnish the house, like the bed and the couch and the TV and the refrigerator. You have to provide all of these things for yourself. And believe it or not, it's such a big, amazing house and chunk of property that you can't afford those taxes and all of those things yourself. You can't sell. You can't move out. You promise to be live there, to live there. But truth be told, you're not making it. You're not making it on your own. It's driving you crazy. You're surrounded by this beauty and this luxury, but you're going broke. And you should have thought before you signed this agreement, can I do this for the rest of my life? And in your prayer and frustration and worry, some rich benefactor comes along and says to you, hey, I got you covered. I got you covered. Furniture, lawn care, taxes, insurance, all forms of cable and internet. All you got to do is be responsible, live well, all foot the bill. You just take responsibility for the place, learn where stuff is, and be ready to spring into action when something needs to be taken care of. Your Christian equipping, having already been supplied, is kind of like that if we jump off of this Greek word. Your equipping, your Christian training is fully furnished, paid for, provided for. Just open your Bible and get it. Just open your Bible and get what God has already supplied for you. Now it might be a little more complicated than that, I'll allow, but the dimmest bulb can be turned into the brightest light by simply opening the word of God and asking him to show you how to live in his joy and bless others. The Bible completes you and equips you to do good works. Let's move on. Verse 17 tells us that we've been completed and fully equipped, that the man or woman of God may be complete equipped for every good work. For every good work. Now the Greek here is very exciting and beautiful. Good work in Greek for every good work. Pros, pan, ergon, agathon. Pros, pan, ergon, agathon. Toward every good work. This was really cool to me when I started looking at this this week in preparation for this talk because the language of the Bible in this instance First off, there's just way more in these two verses than you would ever think there is. Secondly, I got really excited because the language of the Bible speaks to the life that I live in Christ as a made new, born again, life change Christian. See, I have never been able in Christ to just turn away when there's a need. I've never been able to, and I've often wondered why others can so easily. And here I see in the language a confirmation of what I believe in a genuine following of Jesus Christ. The Greek, pros, pan, ergon, agathon, toward every good work. I don't pick and choose. 
I don't hoard my joy and peace and satisfaction to myself. Instead, like a magnet to metal, like a moth to the light, like a man loves a woman, pros, pan, ergon, agathon. As a true and completing follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I am vaulted toward every good work. It's not a matter of preference. It's not a matter of perceived availability or willingness, but I am, vault, I am vaulted, pros, pan, ergon, agathon, toward every good work. Sharing my faith, I'm moving toward that good work. Feeding the hungry, can't wait for somebody else to do it. I gotta go vaulted towards that every good work. Loving my brother and sister, helping someone move or giving to the church, encouraging the weak. Do I have a choice whether I'm gonna humble myself or dig my heels in? I don't because I'm always being vaulted toward every good choice and every good work. Pros, pan, ergon, agathon. So I'm humbling myself daily. I'm apologizing and I'm changing when I'm wrong. Even serving the selfish or blessing those who badger me or belittle me, pros, pan, ergon, akathon, I'm moving toward every good work. I want to run down the applications. We've spent three weeks. Is the Bible reliable? Yes. Is it an engine for life change? Yes. But to what purpose? It's to get you out there doing good works with the right heart as a blessing to others. I want to just run down simple applications. First one, I've done it three times in a row. Get a Bible. And I know you might say, of course, I have a Bible. But I mean, get a Bible and love it and hold it, and name it, and have it close to you, and open it, and read it, and drink it, and enjoy it, and make it a part of your life. Figure out what it takes. Use Collins Deep Cuts. Find teachers that can help you, but you got to get to that point where you can sit alone with your Bible and connect with God and understand his love for you, his grace for you, his heart for you, and his mission for you. Get a Bible. Okay, you've got a Bible. Application number two, get wisdom and knowledge from the Bible. We don't just pat ourselves on the back that we know where our Bible is, but we start to open it and we say, God, give me the truth of God. The ones I like, the ones I don't like, the ones I need, the ones I didn't know I needed. Get wisdom and knowledge from the Bible. Start looking for those ways to be vaulted toward things and look for those ways to be equipped and to be made complete. Thirdly, make sure that you apply Bible knowledge to bless others. We're not in a holy huddle. We're not selfish, private Christians. But as we've been challenged in God's holy word today, we take that knowledge, we let it complete us, we let it equip us, but we are being vaulted towards my fourth application. Move toward every good work. That pros, pan, ergon, agathon. Move toward every good work. The Bible completes you and equips you to do good works. So get in it. Maybe we should reflect on these crazy times. And I think the number one thing right now, the central truth for the church and our church is in this time when we're trying to figure out how to open up the country, how to open up the churches, how to open up our hearts again to personal interactions, it is mandatory, it is required of God, it is necessary that we respect each other and we stop demonizing those who disagree 
and do whatever we can to honor and respect one another's boundaries. In terms of masks or no masks, in terms of six feet or no six feet, in terms of when this happens and when this should happen, yes, we can have opinions and yes, we should be able to share them with grace and with forbearance with one another. But the moment it turns into anger and judgmentalism, you need to shut that down and you need to go inside and you need to humble yourself. And as cheesy as it might sound to your heart or to my heart right now, we need to think WWJD. What would Jesus do? I'm going to get a Bible. I'm going to get wisdom and knowledge from the Bible. I'm going to apply that Bible knowledge to bless others. And I am going to pros, pan, ergon, agathon. I'm going to move toward every good work. Not thinking it's someone else's problem. Not looking away. But between me and God, I'm going to move toward every good work. Let's pray together. The Bible completes you. And it equips you to do the good works of God. Lord, we have in our hands an engine for life change. But it's not just for us alone. It's so that we can be full of God and godliness and then move towards the good works that will bless others. Lord, that one person would take my words about taking your word seriously today, that one person would take that challenge. What a transformation that could cause. Lord, what if five did? What if 10 did? What if 100? What if 1,000 did? Might we truly begin to become a church of life change to the glory of God the Father, for the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ, in the power and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.